0: Turn with me, please, this evening, to Acts twenty-four, and let's read our text. And believe with me this evening, for utterance, Uh, I got a lot stirring in my spirit, and I'm believing for utterance, and I'm believing to take a bunch of things and funnel them down to the essence and important. You, you believe with me on that? Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree together, in asking for this utterance, precise, exact, strong, revelation of light and truth that makes free. Give every one of us, we pray, eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart to receive. Let there come answers for what uh, folks are looking at and needing right now. Direction for the very next step for tonight and for tomorrow. You know exactly uh, what we ought to do and what is the right thing. And we thank you for showing it to us. We ask you for it. We believe we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Acts 24 and 16. Do you know what we're doing right now? We're believing God, aren't we? You believe the Lord could tell you something tonight that would really help you? That would answer something maybe you've been looking for for years. Clear up something that's been troubling you for decades. The word of the Lord Mm -hmm. is precious. It's life. It's healing. It's everything you need. In Acts 24, in verse 16, the Spirit of God through Paul, he said, Herein do I exercise myself. So this is something he did. Exercise indicates some effort. Right? He had to put forth some effort to do this. I exercise myself to what? To have always or to always have a conscience that is void of offense toward God and men. Void of offense. So Paul was very aware of his conscience. It's something that he was continuously making an effort to keep his conscience in a certain state. Here the King James calls that state of conscience void of offense. We're going to talk about that phrase some tonight. Another translation, the NIV says, I strive always to keep my conscience clear. To keep my conscience clear. So, a clear conscience is a New Testament phrase. In fact, if you study it, you'll find that there are several uh, descriptions of. Of different conditions of conscience. Let me read a couple of them to you. Or actually. How about eight. (laughs) The Bible talks about. A defiled conscience. I'm quoting specific scriptures now. The Bible refers to. A weak conscience. The Bible refers to. A seared conscience. The Bible refers to. An evil conscience. There are words that could be interpreted condemned or guilty conscience. That's one, not two, the condemned and guilty. A guilty conscience. An evil conscience. The word evil in the King James, I think sometimes when we hear it in modern vernacular, we don't make the same connections. Evil is the opposite of good in the scriptures. When the Bible says good, it means beneficial, helpful, useful. When it says evil, that's the opposite of good. It means hurtful, harmful, damaging, destroying. It's evil. And, of course, who's more evil than the devil? And when he comes, what does he come to do? Steal, kill, destroy. Is that hurtful? Harmful. Damaging, robbing, so that's evil. What's evil? Evil is that which steals and kills and destroys, that which hurts and damages. What's good? That which helps, meets your need, heals you, sets you free, gives you peace. You know, theologians and individuals have developed these systems of beliefs that are all convoluted and confusing. But I'm telling you, a three-year-old can understand it perfectly. God is a good God. He does good things. The devil is a bad devil. And he does bad things. And they never swap jobs. And they don't work together. How many understand, if God is working with the devil, we're done. Right? We we might as well just give up and quit because... No, thank God. God is on our side. And if he is for us, who can be against, who can successfully be against us? Nobody, nothing, because greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Also, the Bible talks about a good conscience. The Bible talks about a pure conscience. The Bible refers to a, what we just got through reading, void of offense, free or clear. I want us to emphasize the positive side of this tonight. I want us to talk about a good, a clear, a clean conscience, a good conscience. What is a good conscience? Let me read some scripture to you, uh, Acts 23.1, he said, I've lived in all good conscience before God till this day. You don't have to turn there. Just listen. 1 Timothy 1.5, he says, the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfeigned. Hebrews 13.18, he said, pray for us. We trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. You'll find a direct connection between honesty and a good conscience. Now, what is a good conscience? More than one thing could be said about it, but a clean conscience is a good conscience. Go with me to 1 Timothy, please, the third chapter. 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3 and 9. We're getting to the real heart and core Of some of the things I believe that the Lord had us intend for us to get to in this series. So you're believing with me, right? The Lord will only give me utterance to the extent you have ears to hear. That's true all the time with every minister that's yielding to him and believing him for utterance. Uh, So the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our guide and, and revealer of truth to us. But uh, utterance is affected by our capacity and desire to hear it. Those that hunger and thirst after his right things will get them. Those that value them, those that treasure them. I was noticing this. I was in some places the last few weeks. And I'm thinking of uh, three or four people in particular that I was around And I I kept noticing it, and I just smiled. There are certain people that uh, ministers and people of God, men and women of God that I've had a relationship with now for decades. And if I come around them, I won't be with them 10 minutes. Revelation will start coming up in me. I just start getting utterance and start seeing things. And I've noticed it's just around certain people. Other people I can be around and only thing crossing my mind is the weather or I'm hungry or just natural stuff. And I've noticed again and again, you, you don't see this all over the place. When I say again and again, I don't mean it's everybody's like this. It is people that are hungry for the, the things of God and count them precious and value them and respect them. And they respect the anointing. And they respect the call. And, and they respect that. And a lot of times they'll get around get around you. And they might not even say anything. They just smile. <laughs> Look at you. But they, they so love the word. And they so love God and his things. It'll just start coming up in you. You'll just start seeing things. And, and I'll just. Uh, sometimes I have to pull away from them. Because I'll just preach all day. man. Just, <laughs> let me get over here and rest a little bit. Because they. They. Uh, sometimes people say well they're pulling I don't, I don't so much like the term pulling and you don't want to pull on people. No 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 no. I don't some of the terminology we've come up with I don't care so much for it has to do with honor. Those that honor him he will honor and one of the ways he honors you is by giving you his precious things that not everybody sees and hears and knows. But you'll find, you know, I, I, there are churches I go to like that. And there are places I go, conferences and places I go to minister. And, and man, you know, time, I, sometimes before I get there, I start getting things. And when I get on the ground, I'm just getting. And other places, uh, not too many, thank the Lord, but a few places I've been to, you can tell people looking at you like, you know, we've heard from the best. Who are you? You know, and the respect is not there. And it's not about respecting the man, it's about respecting the Lord. Amen. And the honor is not there, and the hunger is not there, and man, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to You try to get things out, but the Lord gives his precious things to people who love them, to people who respect them, who treasure them, who value them. He said, those who honor me, I will honor. Can you say Amen. 1 Timothy 3, did you find it? Yes, sir. And 9. He says, holding the mystery of the faith in a what? Pure. pure conscience. Now this word pure literally means clean. Clean. Holding the mystery of the faith in a clean conscience. And this word clean is used in a number of other Scriptures throughout the New Testament, and it's always talking about clean. Everybody say clean. clean. A clean conscience. In Second uh, Timothy, you just read right there close by. Second Timothy one three. Second Timothy one three says, "I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers, with a pure conscience." Again, that's the word for clean. Pure, as in pure from impurities. Pure from that which defiles or corrupts. A clean conscience. Everybody say a clean conscience. conscience. Titus 1.15. It says, unto the pure, all things are pure. Now that's the same word. The word that means clean. Unto the clean... All things are clean, but unto them that are defiled. So defiled is the opposite of clean. We'd probably say dirty. Dirty and unbelieving is nothing pure. Nothing's clean, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled or dirty. There is such a thing as a dirty mind and a dirty conscience. But it's not limited to thinking about pornographic stuff or or cuss words. It's much broader than that. There's a lot of things that will defile and dirty your conscience. It's not complicated, but it is real. In that your conscience is either clean or it's defiled. What is a defiled conscience? What is a a corrupted, defiled? The word defiled, it literally means be smeared. We'd probably drop the B and just say smeared. Be smeared. When you smear something, what happens? How many like smeared stuff? (laughs) <laughs> huh? Let me see, show of hands. How many like smeared, <laughs> dirty, mucky, ucky stuff? Okay, how many like clean? Yeah. Clean, yeah. squeaky, yeah. clear, uh-huh. Uh-huh. clean. Right. Which do you think God is? Oh, so he is clean. All you uh, so-called clean fanatics, yeah. you are really going to enjoy heaven. <laughs> Oh, everywhere you go, you can do this and there's nothing, nothing, nothing. No, no dirt, no junk, no dust, no rust, no corruption at all. Nothing dying. How about no dead leaves? No dead grass, no dead insects. No dust, nothing's shedding, (laughs) including you. Clean, 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 clean. Now you can only get stuff so clean on the outside down here now. You know, if you're looking for perfection and clean down here, you're going to be frustrated. You need to get it at a certain place and then just be happy. Because it's not going to stay that way very long, <laughs> right? But on the inside, you can be sparkling clean. The same, Go with me to the book of Revelation. The same word translated "pure," referring to the conscience is used here in the book of Revelation. One reason I'm, uh, I say things the way I am is because some of these things the Lord just showed me today. He just showed me yesterday. I'm, I'm believing how to teach them and how to get them out. So, and, uh, and a lot of you have been faithful to help me in this regard, to get these truths out, because how many know these truths don't stop with us? They, uh, people will be watching and listening to other continents, and yep. could be years from now. Watching and listening to these truths and it could help them. And minister to them. And, and you would be one of the ones that helped get it out. Right? You used your faith. You believed God. Because uh, you are a part. In uh, Revelation, the 21st chapter and the 18th verse, notice this. 21.18 is talking about the uh, the new city. The heavenly city. The building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold. Now, that word pure means clean. Pure as in no impurities. Clean from impurities. And it was pure gold like unto what? Clear glass. Have you ever seen gold you could see through? You're going to. You'll be able to tell it's gold, but it's not a yellow bar that you couldn't see. You'll be able to see through it. It's transparent. And the reason it's transparent is because it has absolutely no impurities. We've never seen anything like that, but we're going to. When something is pure, it's clear. When something is clean, it's clear. And when it's clear, you can see through it. Amen. Selah. Amen. <laughs> Go to the uh, 21st verse. He uses another word, a word as far as I know, that is only used in this verse one time the only place I know of it's used is right here in this one verse he talks about he's still talking about this the, the heavenly city there were 12 gates there were 12 pearls every individual gate was one pearl not mother of pearl not not pearl overlaid not constructed of a bunch of pearls but one pearl amen you know, I reckon if God makes these giant gates out of pearl, why would he mind you having a few That's down here? Right. That's right. Pearls. Thank you. That's right. I reckon the, like, the Lord likes gold pretty good. That's right? right? Yes, sir. Why would he object to you having some? Right. Wearing some. I, I read in the book of Revelation where the Lord has a great big band of gold across his chest. Forget a little band on your finger. he got a giant band across his chest. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder who's going to jump on him about his gold. I think a lot of these folks are so mouthy down here. They're going to shut up. They're going to look at (laughs) me. Lord sure wears a lot of gold. Yeah. And you ain't got nothing to say about it. (laughs) Nothing. Each gate was one pearl. And the street of the city was what? Not just gold. There's this word again. Same word that describes a conscience. Pure gold meaning clean as in Zero impurities. And it is the street of the city. Not asphalt. Not concrete. Not gravel or dirt. Gold. Gold. Some might call that extravagant. Huh? <laughs> the streets are made of gold. This ain't no fairy tale. This is real. The streets are gold. And the gold is so pure John was looking at it. The Lord showed it to him. He's seeing into the future. He's seeing in the spirit. And the Lord let him see it. He said it looked like transparent glass. The gold did. And that word transparent here. Like I said, as far as I know it's the only uh, place this word is used. It's uh, diaphanous, diaphanous, which is very—that's an English word. that's very close to the Greek word. It's not very little change between the Greek and the English. This is unusual, but it means sheer, almost completely transparent or translucent. If something is translucent, transparent, you can see through it. Right? Isn't that what he said? Transparent glass, gold. He said, it's like transparent glass. You can see right through it. You can see right through it. You can see right through it. And your spirit's going, that's good, that's good. And your head's going, huh? Why why is that good? Hold on. Everybody say "Transparent." transparent. Transparent. Now we read... About a conscience being defiled. And we said that word defiled means what? Smeared. Or be smeared. We read about a seared conscience. If a conscience is seared. What happens? Skin. Can be thin. But not. Seared skin. Seared skin. Is going to be scar tissue. And it's going to be thick, right? Well, when something is besmeared or muddied or fouled, it's not transparent. It's not clear. What kind of conscience is a good conscience? A clean, clear conscience is a good conscience. Now, that's worth coming to church for right there. I know we've used this kind of terminology before, but a lot of folks have not understood that they are using Bible terms when they talk about a clear conscience and have not really understood what they were talking about. A clear conscience. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. Your conscience and my conscience is the voice of of our heart it's not talking about your blood pump it's talking about the inner man hidden man of the heart Peter talks about your feeling is the voice of your flesh your reason is the voice of your intellect and your mind but your conscience is the voice of your heart and depending on what condition your heart's in Your conscience will either be clear or it'll be muddied. And what condition does it need to be in for you to hear and see? Clear to hear. How does it get muddied? How does it get seared? You know, maybe I'm moving a little bit too fast. Go over to Hebrews before you go over there. Hold your place in 1 Samuel. Go to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3 and 7, it says, wherefore as the Holy Ghost says, today, if you will hear his voice, do what? Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Skip down to verse 14 of the same chapter. Verse 14, we're made partakers of Christ if... We hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do what? Harden not your hearts, hearts, as in the provocation. This is how hearts, excuse me, consciences get seared. By hardening one's heart against the dealings of the Lord. This is how a conscience gets defiled, gets besmeared, gets convoluted. It's by ignoring the conscience. It's by overriding the conscience. It's by hardening your heart against what the Lord is showing you and dealing with you to do and say. Very real, not imaginary. Very real. The Bible tells us to be tender hearted. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Not hard hearted. Tender hearted. Now people have made a lot of mistakes. In these areas. And not realizing what they were doing. Go to Ephesians and we'll we'll touch on this just a little bit. Ephesians 4. He said grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. So he can be grieved. And the Bible said don't do it. And here verse 31 he gives you some some ways that people grieve him. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. This is all stuff that's going to grieve the spirit. Bitterness. Bitterness. Angry. Resentful. Resentful. Does that sound like tender hearted or hard hearted? See that's how people get hard. They get hurt. They get mad. They don't deal with it properly. And so they get hard. And then you got hardened people. Teaching their kids. Hardened dads teaching their sons how to be a man. Do you know where I'm going? You can't let people run over you. You got to stand up and what they're teaching them, sometimes without meaning to, sometimes their intention is right. They don't want their kids to be hurt or run over, but they're teaching them to be mean and they're teaching them to be hard. Hey, life is hard. Sometimes you win. Sometimes other people lose in the process. That's life. You just go on. You take care of your own. You take care of your family. And people are taught, uh, girls and boys alike, to harden themselves. Uh, Because that is not their natural state when they come into the world and their little spirits are alive unto God. They're tender hearted. And people who've made mistakes and hardened themselves and become bitter, they proceed to try to make these tender little spirits hard like they are. Big mistake. Big mistake. Teach them wisdom. Teach them strength and faith. Teach them courage. Don't teach them to be hard. They don't need to become hard. They need to stay tender, hearted towards the Lord. Their whole life. They do they'd never have to be hardened in their heart. Never. One of the worst things that could happen to them. And if it happened to you, do not Use excuses of the past, no matter how terrible they were, to justify yourself in being hard and bitter today. The Lord told you, you are forgiven. And you got the love of God shed abroad in your heart. He told you to forgive everybody else. He didn't say try to. He said do it. In fact, he said if you don't forgive them, he can't forgive you. Very serious business. No such thing as people saying, I can't get over that. That's a lie. You choose not to. You've chosen not to get over it. You've chosen to hold on to that hardness. And it, it's destroying you. It's messing up everything around you. This, All this stuff grieves the Holy Spirit. Verse 32, how are we supposed to be? Verse 32, what's the word of the Lord to us? Be ye, in other words, you be kind. Be kind. What if everybody in your neighborhood was kind? It'd be a great neighborhood to live in. What, what if everybody that worked where you worked? Everybody that worked there was kind. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. You can. That's fine. You do it. Kind. Kind. Everybody say kind. kind. Love. The love of God is kind, isn't it? It's kind. Kind. Kind, not just long-suffering, it's kind while it's long-suffering. Not mean while it's putting up with you. Kind, kind. How many know it takes strength to be kind and to be kind a long time? (laughs) But the everlasting God lives inside you, the greater one. Is enabling and empowering you and I to be like this, and it is the greatest life you can live. Because when you're mean and hard, you're not just hurting other people. You're having to live with your own mean and hard self,
1: <laughs> and you
0: can't get away from mean and hard because you're mean and hard.
1: <laughs>
0: and it just rains on your parade every day, just. And it doesn't make people want to become Christians by being around you and watching you. Because they see mean and hard in the world. If they saw love. If they saw joy. If they saw peace. No, they're not seeing that in the world. They'd want it. What did the Bible tell you and I to do? Be ye kind one to another. Not just to yourself. to, To other people. Kind one to another. And What? Tender, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Well, they did such and such. Well, forgive them. I can't. That's a lie. You choose not to. You can. You do it by faith, not by feeling. When somebody has sinned against you, the Bible compares it to a debt. If you owed me a hundred thousand dollars. And we had a contract. We had paperwork. It was notarized. It was everything. And uh, I called you in and said, you know, I'm going to release you of this debt. We stamped the documents paid. Here's all the paperwork. Shred it. Do whatever you want to do with it. You owe me nothing. Do I have to feel wonderful to do that? No. (laughs) Do I have to even like you? To do, I could could just, and and if next week or the month after I decide, what did I do? (laughs) It doesn't matter, you don't owe me. Irrespective of my feelings, we must learn to forgive like this. Forgiveness is an act of faith, an act of love. You just stand up and you choose to. You say, Lord, I forgive them. I release them. I forgive them. They owe me nothing. They don't owe me an explanation. They don't owe me an apology. They don't owe me amends or to make anything right. They owe me nothing. And you do not have to feel wonderful about it. And if next week or next month some thoughts of what they did come to you, you don't have to say, Well, I can't I can't forgive. You did forgive. It doesn't make an image how you feel. You forgave them. You can picture in your mind. You tore the paperwork up. They owe me nothing. And if you do that, you have forgiven them. And if you hold to that long enough, your feelings will change. And you'll get free. But if you think, get to thinking about it and get mad and get bitter again and get to fuming and saying all kind of bad stuff and say, I don't know, I just can't forgive them. I've tried. I just can't forgive them. Well, you're going you're to struggle with that from now on. No faith's involved. You just are feeling controlled. The just live by faith. The just walk by faith. You forgive by faith. You receive by faith. You overcome by faith. That's how we live. That's how we do it. You can forgive anybody of anything. It's a choice of faith. And when you do that you set yourself free. And you can receive from him. He can forgive you without hindrance. Be ye kind one to another. And what? Tender hearted. Tender hearted. You can be the strongest individual around. And be tender hearted. You don't have to be weak. To be tender hearted. It actually takes more strength. To be tender hearted. Than to be hard hearted. It's a sign of weakness. That you're hard hearted. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake. Has forgiven you. If he could forgive you. Why can't you forgive them? Right? You can, you can, and you must, if you're going to be free and clear. Go with me to to 1 Samuel now. 1 Samuel, what kind of conscience is a good conscience? A clean and clear conscience is a good conscience. This is a beautiful picture In this passage, 1 Samuel 24, of uh, how this works, how this operates. 1 Samuel 24. This is the story of David, whom God said was a man after his own heart. Didn't he say that? And at this time, David's life has been made very hard and uncomfortable, Because of Saul, who is now king and who has become threatened by David and seeks to kill him every day. He wants him gone from the face of the earth. And so he has sent out his military, he has sent out his rangers and his seals, his marines. I'm serious. These guys are tracking them, and it has only been by the grace and mercy of God that they are still alive. A lot of times, the the army is closing in on one side of the mountain, and they're coming around the (laughs) other side, getting away. This didn't happen one time or twice. It's just the grace of God that they escaped and are still alive. And you're familiar with the story of what happened on this day. 1 Samuel 24, it came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, it was told him, David is in the wilderness and in Jedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel. I told you he was serious about this. 3,000. And they went to seek to find David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. Because these guys had gotten out in the remote wilderness. They don't want anybody to find them. And he came to the sheep coats, by the way, and there was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. They were in the cave. They're looking for them. And they came in the cave. They don't know they're in there. And so, of course, they're hiding back in the back of the cave and the sides. And they're being very, very quiet. (laughs) Because there's 3,000 armed soldiers here to kill them. So they remained in the sides of the cave. And Saul comes in there. Well, all 3,000 men are not in this cave. Saul just going in there. And he's maybe a couple of people with him. Almost by himself. And uh, the men of David said, look. This is the day that the Lord told you, I'm going to deliver your enemy into your hand. The prophecy has come to pass today. And then you can do to him whatever seems good to you. Now, what are they thinking about doing? Killing Killing him. Why? They can stop running. And the Lord told them this day was coming. So this has got to be it. (laughs) Did you know you can misinterpret Words the Lord gives you. Yes, sir. It can be genuinely a word from the Lord. And you can jump to conclusions. About what it means. Mm-hmm. And when it's happening. Yes. You can fill in the blanks. <laughs> yeah. And be so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and they're telling him. And of course it sounds good. We get to go home. We we'll quit running. And we get to live. Amen. Good, good and good. Yeah. <laughs> kill him, kill him, kill him quick. David got up. He creeps over to where Saul is. Saul completely unaware that David's anywhere around. And they're thinking, watch this. He's going to cut him. And he didn't cut him. He didn't stab him. He didn't spear him. He got his robe and trims off the bottom of it. With his knife and comes away and they're going, what? Kill him. Kill him. What is this? trimming? They got to be quiet, you know, because there are 3,000 soldiers right out there. Verse 5. Don't you notice something? Don't you notice something? It came to pass afterward... I'm talking about immediately after this. What happened? David's heart did what? Smote him. Because he had cut off Saul's skirt. The bottom of his robe. His heart smote him. Listen to the New King James. It says David's heart troubled him. Because he had cut Saul's robe. The New American Standard says David's conscience bothered him. This is different language for the same thing. One says David felt bad about what he did. Another one said he felt guilty. Another one said he was full of regret. The Living Bible, verse 5, his conscience began bothering him. In verse 6, he said, I shouldn't have done it. Now, this is a man who loves God, Amen. Yes. who loves the Word of God,
1: Hallelujah.
0: who has experienced the anointing of God. And this is an example of a tender heart. If he had been hardened like a lot of his men, I mean, he would have took his head off and right. had, a, had a party that afternoon, yeah. right? Right? Something kept him from killing him. And he just cut the robe. Well, he why did he cut the robe off? Because he wants to show him. <laughs> I could have took you anytime. <laughs> I was right here. Because if he could have cut his robe, he could have cut his throat. And that's proven it to him. But as soon as he had done it, and, and he, he, he slunk back into the recess of the cave, his heart... <laughs> hurt him bothered him why because he knows God he's close to the Lord he's experienced the presence of God he has the anointing on him for priest and psalmist and prophet and and king and man his heart mm. and the guys are still you know killing him killing him before he gets away and he says no no no, I should not have done it. It's a serious sin to attack God's chosen king in any way. God's anointed. God's anointed. This is a man who has demon control fits. And if you are in the same room with him, he's just liable to smile and say hi or throw a spear at you. He's a man, the Bible said there was an evil spirit. That he was yielding to big time. And David calls him. The anointed of God. And his heart smites him. Because he did anything to his clothes. Friends we need a revelation of this. Amen. This is an example of a tender heart. Isn't it? How does a heart. Become defiled. By overriding this. This. How does a conscience become seared? How does a a good conscience become a bad conscience? A conscience with offense toward God and toward man? It's when you have this happen, but you don't pay attention to it. And you push it down, and you ignore it, and you override it. You have to harden your heart to ignore it and override it and you harden your heart enough to override it and ignore it, your conscience is no longer clean. It has impurities. All of the disobediences, all of the rebellion, and all of these impurities defile and smear and cloud, and when your conscience is no longer clear, then you no longer hear when your conscience is clouded and thick and unfeeling and seared you can't see it's not transparent you can't see through in order to see the things of the Lord in order to hear the things of the Lord definitely and distinctly you've got to be clean and you've got to stay clear do you believe this yes. A verse that uses the very same word as talking about a clear conscience. Don't turn there, but Matthew 5.8, they'll put it up on the screen for us. Matthew 5.8. It says, Blessed are the what? Pure. That's that same word for clean. Which we know clean, if it's completely devoid of, of impurities, it's clear. Transparent. For what? They shall what? What will they do? They will see God. Now a lot of times folks have limited to this. To dying and going to heaven. I believe it includes that. I don't believe it's limited to that. It didn't just say they'll go to heaven. What did it say? They'll see God. And why will they see God? Because of a clearness of heart. Can you see this? Because of a clearness. Free from the impurities. Our text, Paul said, I exercise myself all the time to keep a conscience that's what? Void of offense. Toward God or toward me. What is offense? If you look up the word, it means that which causes to stumble. And it could be anything that's in the way. You ever come ripping through the house, through the hall, and hit something with your toe and stumble? Why? Because there was a toy, tractor, a car, tricycle, book, a box, shoes. And what was the problem? It was in your path, it was in your way. And because it was in your way, you hit it. I mean, you can have serious problems. You can trip. You can fall. You can hit your head. You can break your arm. Why? Because it was something in the way. That's the term used when Paul says, I exercise myself continuously so that my conscience is without something in the way. Clear means free from obstacles, free from things that are in the way. Because if it's in the way, you can't see through it, you can't hear through it. And that's where so many believers are. That's why the things of God are not distinct and not definite. We've already covered this, but I want to go back to it. How much condemnation are we supposed to live in? Huh? There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who don't walk after the flesh, but they walk after the spirit. And we said that word no condemnation means how much? None. Not one. Not even one. How much guilt are you supposed to live in? How much? How much? (laughs) You think most Christians live with zero guilt? Can they live with zero guilt? Is it possible to live with zero guilt? People say, well, you don't know what I've done, preacher. Yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. It doesn't matter what you've done. If you're willing to repent, And repent has to do with heeding it when your heart bothers you. Doesn't it? When your heart bothers you about something, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to humble yourself and receive it and respond to it. Or you're going to harden yourselves and resist it and override it and ignore it. How many believe hardening yourself and overriding it is a very big mistake? A very bad decision. Because what did you just do when you ignored it and overrode it and hardened yourself? You made yourself less sensitive. Less transparent. Less clear. And you get enough of that stuff enough of that guilt, enough of that condemnation, then you are dull and you're not seeing and you're not hearing and you can claim that God don't love you and he's not showing you and he's not helping you, but you can't blame him. You did it to yourself. Do you think there's a lot of folks around in that condition? Oh, there is. I got good news. Very, very Good news. I'll tell you in just a minute. (laughs) Let's finish this up. First uh, Samuel. (laughs) What happened? David's heart. The King James and Old Testament said smote him. Do you know what he's talking about? Have you ever experienced this? It says it again in the 24th chapter. Later just down a few verses. David decided he's going to number the soldiers. And uh, some of his spiritual counsel close by him had had told him that he did not need to do that. And he ignored them. And he did it. When the Lord tells you not to do something, you don't don't have to understand why he told you not to do it. You just need to obey. Have some faith in him. And uh, as soon as he got through numbering them, verse 10. David's heart, what happened to it? This is a second. Excuse me, 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 24. As soon as he did that, what happened? David's heart smote him after he numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I've sinned. What did David do the minute his heart smote him, the minute his conscience bothered him, what did he do? He said, God, I've, I've sinned. I've sinned. Now friend, if there's anything you need to learn to do yes. and I need to learn to do, yes. it's this right here. Yes. This will get you out of the worst mistakes, the worst problems that could ever possibly happen to you or around you. This is what it's dependent upon. That's right. The word repent is a New Testament word. Yeah. Amen. And it is for believers
1: yes. yeah.
0: and unbelievers. Yes. It's for everybody. Yes. Repentance is for everybody. Amen. Are you with me, friends? Yes. Now, unbelievers don't have to try to remember every sin they ever committed and every mistake they ever made the Bible said the Holy Spirit will convict them not condemn them convict them of the sin the sin of not believing on Jesus that's the sin they must repent of and if they'll do that and receive him all their sins are washed away glory to God But believers also must repent if and when they override what they know. We've already talked about this. What is sin? Sin is violation of light. It's violation of what you see and what you know. And you may be able to con some people, but you cannot con the Lord that you didn't know when you knew. You can't convince him you didn't see it when you, he knows you saw it. He's the one showed it to you. He was there when you saw it. <laughs> you can't tell him I didn't see it. I didn't know. He knows what you know. And what I know and what we don't see and know. And so when you knew better. To him that knows to do good. And does it not? To him. Notice why, why would it say to him? Because that he knew. If somebody didn't see and know. It wouldn't be the same to them. God is so merciful and gracious. He doesn't hold us accountable. For what we don't see and know. He's gracious and merciful to us. In what he knows we don't know. He's merciful to our ignorance. But if you saw and you knew. And you missed it. You sinned. Then 1 John 1.9 says. If you'll confess that. He's faithful to forgive you. And to cleanse you. And yes that's for believers. If you will repent. You can be restored. If you don't. You won't be. Repentance. Is a gift. It's precious. Never look or think about repentance. As something negative. Repentance is your way back. (laughs) Repentance is your way back in. Repentance is your way back from the brink. It's your way out of death and destruction. It's your way back. You can go through all kind of motions though and say all kind of stuff and not really repent. There's people that come and cried at the altar for 30 minutes and never repented. With David's situation, notice how he responded. NIV, verse 10, David was what? Conscience stricken. His heart smote him. This says his conscience struck him. Well, your conscience is the voice of your heart. Right. After he had counted the fighting men, his, his heart smote him. His, his conscience struck him. And, and what did he say? I have sinned. I have what? Is he confessing this? He missed it. He knows he missed it. He knows he shouldn't have done this. How does he know? His own heart is bothering him about this. He said, I have sinned greatly. And Lord, I, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a foolish thing. I have repented. Now, David, the sweet psalmist he's called, beloved of God, he made some mistakes. He made some terrible mistakes. And God forgave him. Of all of them. Didn't He? And those that aligned themselves against Him, even His own son, even His closest wise counsel, Ahithophel, others, and after it's all done, they're dead. He's still alive. And on the throne. In spite of his terrible mistakes. Do you know why he was alive and they're dead? Repentance. 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 It's your way out. It's your way back. It's your way out of the gutter. It's your way back from the brink. Come on, are you listening to me? It's a gift of God. But you don't play with it. Nope. That's right. When your heart smites you. What's it time to do? Amen. It's time to repent. It's time It's time to, to smite your chest. and go, Oh God I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. Forgive me. Go with me to Matthew. Has your heart ever bothered you over something? Is it difficult to know what to do? Uh-uh. What do you do? Repent. When? Tomorrow? At least by the end of the week? When your heart when do you repent? When your heart bothers you. Soon as you see it. Soon as you know it. That's when you repent. This is not complicated. <laughs> How would I know? Oh, you know. <laughs> you know if your heart smote you. You know if your heart bothered you. Come on, saints, you know what I'm talking about. There have been times you've been talking to somebody and as soon as the words got out of your mouth, you thought, oh. "Oh." Oh. "Mm." And yet because of pride and because of a bunch of stuff, you stand there and act like you don't know what you said and you act like maybe they didn't notice. Oh, they noticed. (laughs) Don't kid yourself. And even if they didn't, it doesn't matter. You know Guess who else knows? God. So what do you do? When? Right now. Just stop, stop and go, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That's wrong. Now, if you do this, what will you be maintaining? A tender heart and a clear, clean conscience. Why? Why? Because now when you go home, is that going to be bothering you on your conscience? No, because you dealt with it. And if it's clean, then it's clear. If it's clear, you can see through it. You can see God through it. Because you know who's on the other side of your conscience? Who lives in your spirit? Who's in there? He is. Matthew 21, the definition of repentance in the New Testament, repent, repentance, repenting, repented, it literally means to perceive afterwards. Some have said, well, it just means to think differently. It means a lot more than that. Most any lexicon you look at, the word afterward is a key emphasis. To perceive. Now, you can't repent for something you don't know. You're not aware of. So you perceived it. But afterward indicates after whatever happened. Then you, you perceived it. It might have been a second after you said it or did it. But in, at the moment, you afterwards, you realize, oh man, I missed it. Said out loud to perceive, to perceive. Afterwards. afterwards. And then when you perceive after you said or did something wrong and your conscience bothers you and your heart smote you, tell me what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Yes. Huh? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. When? Yes. The, whenever you see it. Yes. As soon as you see it. Because why? Because if you put it off an hour, you're liable to wait too. You're liable to wait a day, yep. and then you're liable to say, "Well, you know, it's just going to cause more problems to bring it up now than ever." And you, and what what does that mean? It means you are going to leave that obstacle in there for you to trip over, no. to trip you up, and it's going to it's going to be rubbing against your your heart. And when it keeps rubbing against your heart, that's going to sear. Your conscience, you keep rubbing against something, it's going to cause it to become inflamed. It's going to have to produce some thick calluses. We don't want anything rubbing us on the inside, bothering us, bugging us. That's what Paul is saying in our text. I exercise myself all the time to keep my conscience clear of anything bothering me, between me and God, between me and men. And how many believe Paul heard from God? He knew where to go. He knew when. He knew when to say in the name of Jesus. He knew when to say come out. He knew what to preach. He knew what to do. Brought the gospel to the known world of his generation. And if you asked him, and he answered you right out of the New Testament, the book of Acts, our text. Paul, what helped you do this? He'd say, I kept my conscience clear all the time. So I could see and hear matthew twenty one what does repent mean to perceive afterwards matthew twenty one and twenty eight Jesus told them something that has to do with this Jesus said, What do you think about this? A certain man had two sons. he came to the first boy and he said, Son, go work today in my vineyard verse twenty nine his his son answered said I'm not going to do it. I ain't going. And that would be a sad story. Except for. What does it say? But. What? Afterward. What did he do? He repented. What does that mean? After he got smart mouthed with his daddy. And he told him I ain't going. What happened? His heart smote him. Right? Right? His conscience bothered him, and he perceived, I have messed up. I have said the wrong thing. And so he repented. What does that mean? He went and found Daddy, and he said, Daddy, I'm sorry. I should not have told you that. I'm going. I'm gone. Thank you for letting me work today. He repented and went. Now, he's out there working. He messed up. He made a mistake. But how do you think he is out during the work day? Is heart bothering him?
1: No.
0: No. No. How's he? He's good. Uh How's him and daddy? Good. Mm -hmm. Nothing between him and God. Nothing between him and daddy. Nothing to get in the way of seeing and hearing. Nothing to get in the way of making big money today. Nothing to get in the way of me being healed and feeling good. Nothing between. Nothing. Clear and clean. Nothing between. Verse 30. He came to the second boy and he said, uh, Go work in my vineyard today. And he said, Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> Glad to do it. And uh, what? And what? Didn't go. Verse 31. Which one of these two. Did the will of his father. They said to him. Well the first one. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said to them. And boy they weren't ready for this now. (laughs) (laughs) They're feeling good about themselves. Because they got the answer right. 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 First one. Because that's right. Mm -hmm. And in the same way. The publicans. And the prostitutes. Are going to go into the kingdom before you do. (laughs) (laughs) And they went. (gasps) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) I want you to tell me again. What is your way out? What is your way back from the brink? What is your? Repentance. What did the second boy not do? He talked all the right things. But he didn't do it. And and the worst part is not him not doing it. What's the worst part? He didn't repent. He didn't repent afterward. Friends, the most important thing is not what you did or what you didn't do, not how terrible of a sin or mistake you made. You know what's the most important thing? What you did after that. That's the most important thing. Nobody's going to be in hell because of lying, stealing, killing, because even the most atrocious things, if afterward they would have repented, the Lord would have forgiven them and washed them and cleansed them. Why would they wind up in hell? Because they wouldn't repent. They wouldn't repent, and the problem is, if you ignore your conscience and don't repent, the next time it's a little easier to ignore your conscience and not repent. Because it does the first time, man, it hits you like a ton of bricks. You think, oh God, ah, that bothers me so bad. The second time, it's not quite as bad. The third time, it's not as bad as the second. And the 15th time, it's not bad at all. Right. And, and you get to the point where you can do and say some mean, atrocious stuff. And you felt a little bit of twinge somewhere, but you hardly noticed it. Yeah. And repentance is nowhere in your mind. And friend, if you're in that case, you're in trouble. Because he that stiffens his neck And hardens his heart repeatedly. What does the scripture say? Destruction will come quickly. And with no remedy. There's nothing God can't fix. Except. Someone who won't repent. If you'll repent. He can fix anything. I don't care what you've done. I mean anything. Anything. There's nothing. Nothing. That if you come to God and you fall on your face and say, God, I'm sorry, I I repent, I repent, I never has he ever looked at anybody and said, I'm sorry, I can't fix this. (laughs) David had done some bad things. You want to look at some situations. You study the most evil kings. They burned babies alive. They did stuff you never heard of. And some of them, after decades of debauchery, it would be hard for us to imagine. Judgment was falling on them in the country. And they came and fell on their face and said, I repent, I repent, I repent. And God said, okay. <laughs> okay? Okay? okay okay to the baby burner okay yeah because they really did repent and God forgave them and God said well I'm I'm not going to let the full judgment come in your time why because he repented mm. you believe this or not I'm not making this up Have you read the Bible enough to know what I'm talking about? Is is it in there? It's there. Verse 31, he said, uh, Which one of these did the will of his father? They said the first one. And Jesus said, Well, verily I say to you, the publicans and harlots are going into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not, but the publicans and harlots believed him. And you, what's that next phrase? What? When you had seen it, had seen it mm-hmm. who saw it? saw it? The scribes, yeah. the Pharisees, the Sadducees saw that Jesus was real. He was the fulfillment of scripture. They saw it. Mm-hmm. But what? Would not repent. And the prostitutes. And the guys that were crooked business, the publicans, man, they were thieves with a government excuse. They would rob you, and if you said anything, they'd show you their badge. You just had to take it. Destroyed people's lives, and yet God said they are getting in, and you're not. Why? Because as sorry as they were, as mean as they were, as low as they were, afterward, they (laughs) repented. And when you repent, you get to come all the way back. All the way. All the way to the throne room. I know it sounds too good to be true. But it is true. All the way. From the muck. And the gutter. To the throne room. How can you get there? Come on saints. How can you get there?
1: Yes.
0: Repent. That's all you got to do. But that can't be lip service. It can't be playing games with God. Because he knows. He'll see right through it. He knows your heart. He knows if you mean it. If you don't. He knows if you're being honest with him or not. Go to 2 Timothy, please. 2 Timothy 2. I've prayed this for people a number of times. I mean that we're in some of the very worst situations that a person could be in. And if you haven't done it, I want it to be in your mind. I want it to be in your arsenal. Do you know what I mean by that? I know there will be times that the Lord will deal with you. To pray this for people that you love that are that are in trouble. In uh, 2 Timothy and 2, he said, verse 24, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle. That sounds like tender hearted, doesn't it? Be gentle unto all. Gentle unto all. Apt to teach. And what else? Patient. Will your flesh always feel like being patient? No. In meekness, meekness, not arrogance, not haughtiness, but meekness, instructing those that are doing what? They are opposing who? Who is their big problem? (laughs) They are. They're probably blaming somebody else, but who is really the one that's opposing them and against them and causing them so many problems themselves instructing in meekness meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure would what? Oh, I like this that he would do what he would give them something that's the thing I've prayed numerous times for folks. For well, Lord, would you give them? If you see somebody that's going the wrong way and it's just getting worse and worse and worse and, and they keep causing themselves trouble. and Lord, would you give them? I'm asking you to give them what? Repentance. Repentance. It's the way back. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, well, so-and-so, they've been gone for 20 years. Last I heard, they were stealing stuff to support their drug habit and had isolated and alienated everybody they knew. They can come all the way back. I said, they can come all the way back. Well, we're so-and-so. Well, last I heard, they're on their ninth marriage, and they've just been so mean there. Nobody could live with them and be around them, and they've hurt everybody so much, nobody wants them at the reunion or Christmas or Thanksgiving or <laughs> nothing or, <laughs> they, they ripped everybody off. They lied to everybody. They can come all yes. the way back.
1: Yes.
0: They, can come, they can come all the way back. I don't care what they've done. Well, they stole people's retirements and they lied and they abused children. And they can come all the way back just like you. Because sin is sin. That's right, yeah. People categorize it and say, well, you know, I couldn't forgive somebody. You could if you would. Right. And thank God He will.
1: Yes, hallelujah. He will. Yes, hallelujah.
0: Murderers, the worst of the worst. Tell me what stands between them and full reconciliation, full fellowship. Repentance and faith in God. Lord, give them repentance. The gift. How many know the gift of repentance is the gift of life? Give them repentance. To what? To the acknowledging of the truth. Repentance involves acknowledging the truth. The truth you know. The truth you know you violated. The light you know you violated. Acknowledging the truth in verse 26. That what? You don't have to go lay hands on them. Nobody has to necessarily pray over them. Or cast anything out of them. Or anoint them with anything. They with the gift of repentance. They can recover themselves. Out of the snare and trap of the devil. Who are taken captive by him at his will. They might be in the worst bondage and worst grips of sin and addiction and degradation. But if they'll look up from the most dirtiest and awfulest places and say, God, I repent. I acknowledge, I know this is not right. I know what I've done is wrong. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash me. if they really do it from their heart he will receive them I said he will receive them and he will forgive everything they did and he will wash them completely clean and pure by the blood of the lamb yes hallelujah and they will wind up in heaven just as much yes. as somebody that served God faithfully yes. for 90 years.
1: Hallelujah. Yes. Glory to God.
0: Go to Hebrews in closing. Tell me how you get all the way back. How do you come all the way back? Somebody's watching on the Internet. Somebody's watching this in the future from now days and weeks from now and you're, you're crying and you're saying I don't know if I can believe that God did this for you I'm talking to you I'm looking at you I'm telling you by the word of the Lord God is coming in your house right now he's coming in your place he's coming in your car he never quit loving you he never left you you left him And he is not sickened by you and disgusted by you. Oh, he didn't like the stuff you've done, and sin is sin. But you can come all the way back. He's saying, Come. Come back to me. Fall down. Repent. Admit how far away you got. Admit. How wrong you've been. Ask Him to forgive you right now. Hallelujah. He is that good. There is, once a conscience has been besmeared, defiled, corrupted, seared, there is only one thing. That will clean a dirty, guilty conscience. Not two. Mm-hmm. Only one. There is nothing in any other religion, so called, in the world. There is no kind of purification ceremony, no sprinkling, no dabbling, no drugging, no. There's one, one, yeah. one, yeah. Right. one thing, and one thing only. That can cleanse a dirty, guilty conscience. Does anybody in here know what it would be? (laughs) Hmm? (laughs) Hebrews. Hebrews. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just come on. Just thank Him for a little bit while you while you're finding Hebrews. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews, the uh, tenth chapter. We'll look at first, and he talked about under the old covenant they offered animal sacrifices and they offered animal blood on the altar and he is telling them that the blood of animals can never take away sin and it cannot a word is used in the king james the word purge which is the same as the word cleanse and make pure that that blood of animals could never purge a conscience If you can't get your conscience cleansed and cleared, it's going to continue to bother you. You can act like it doesn't. You can try to hide it, but it does. But there is one thing. And one thing only. (laughs) That has the power. We're not talking about washing your shirt. (laughs) We're not talking about washing your hands has the power to wash your conscience so that it's not there to bother you anymore. It's not covered over. It's not there. In Hebrews 10 and 2, it says those sacrifices, wouldn't they have ceased to be offered. Because the worshipers. Once purged. Should have had no more conscience. Of sins. But he said it, it did not, it could not do it. Every year they made the same sacrifices. Over and over again. Showing that the conscience of sin. Was still there. Back up to verse 9. Hebrews 9. 13. If the blood. Of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. That's the outside. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, the anointed one, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Something dirty could never cleanse something. The blood of Jesus is without spot, without impurity. It is so clean, it is so powerful that it can clean anything it comes in contact with how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge. That word means cleanse. Cleanse what? Cleanse what? Cleanse what? Your conscience. Not cover it over. Not hide it. Purge it. Purge it if your conscience is purged of what was bothering you, now what state are you in? Clean, Clean and clear. Nothing's bothering you. Yeah, but you messed up. I repented. <laughs> I repented. Other people might remember it. It might be in your mind. Guess who does not remember it? <laughs> God has the power to just decide not to remember anything and never remember it again. And if he doesn't remember your sins and failures, why would you ever bring them up to him? But the blood of the lamb is the only thing that has the power to purge your conscience so that nothing's bothering you. You repented. You received the washing and cleansing of the blood of the Lamb. And now, no matter what other people think, you're not going to stand before them in time to come. Nobody's going to ask their opinion when you get to heaven. God knows your heart. He knows if you really repented. And if you did, you'll have a conscience void of offense, purged from defilement, clean and clear. And when your conscience is not bothering you and there's nothing in there, in the way, when the Lord shows you something, it comes through vivid and clear. When he speaks to you, there's nothing to mess it up. It comes through distinct and clear. And you see, and you hear, and you know. Is there anything worth ignoring and overriding your conscience and dulling yourself down? Nothing is remotely worth paying that kind of price. Is there? Everybody stand on your feet.